This is Ozarks at Large on 91.3 KUAF. I'm Kyle Callens. It is Thursday, August 18th, 2022. The autumn Razorback sports calendar, believe it or not, starts for real tonight. The eighth-ranked soccer team will face the St. Louis Billigans tonight in St. Louis. That match will be streamed on ESPN+. Ahead on our show this hour, Ozarks at Large's Timothy Dennis helps us get the weekend started for real with an overview of the live music calendar. That's in about 20 minutes. We start with a survey of the pro-life movement after a 50-year-long campaign to undo the Roe v. Wade decision. Despite the unanimity to return this decision back to the states, this movement is not monolithic. Some of the biggest actors within the anti-abortion movement wrestle with agreeing on where the future lies for pro-life activists from contraceptives to exceptions for abortion and more. Ozarks at Large's Rachel Sanchez-Smith reports. I talked to some of the biggest actors in the pro-life movement to see what's next. One thing most can agree on, at least for the activist, the hard work will not cease following the Dobbs decision last June. Rose Mims, the executive director of Arkansas Right to Life, agrees. So going forward, we know this has been overturned. I mean, what do you... What do you feel for the future? Is it, is there a sentiment of, oh my gosh, the work is about to begin? Not like as if you haven't been doing work, but just the mountain of things that come afterwards. Well, absolutely. And for anybody, I mean, I got calls saying, well, you know, now you, you've, you've done what you wanted to do. Well, no, we didn't. Actually, yes, we wanted to make sure that, uh, or to, to see that, the Roe decision, that was a wrong decision in our eyes. You know, the U.S. Constitution does not guarantee a right uh, for an abortion in our Constitution. We felt it was always a wrong decision. And to get that overturned, that was always one of the, you know, the goals that we had, and that happened. But now the real work begins. The real hard work begins. Another of the biggest activists in Arkansas is Family Council. I spoke to their executive director, Jerry Cox, to see what's in store for the future of pro-life activism and how that may differ across the board. One of the items, the future of contraceptives. I think many people are curious as to where, because I mean, this is like a huge check, right, off the the to-do list and and the the fight and the right the the move towards this. Will the fight move at all or will it continue in the space it's been? Will it move to, you know, contraceptives or education or will it stay in this lane? Well, some people have asked if um, this is going to affect contraceptives. And the answer is no, it's not. In fact, um, Act 180, which is the trigger law, which has gone into effect, even addresses some of those, those issues about contraceptive and uh, all that, morning after meal, plan B, all of that is still going to be available. It does not change that. And that's been a rumor that's floated around out there online. But if people will actually read the law, they'll find out that that rumor is not true, that contraception is still going to be available. Yeah, I think a lot of the misinformation and a lot of the doubt comes from the specific uh, definitions within Act 180 that states that life is from the point of fertilization to natural death, of course, mm-hmm. which could have varied meanings, right? But as, as long as the contraceptive is administered before the woman is pregnant or can be determined to be pregnant, 
then the contraceptive is totally legal. It has that, that's a phrase in there that some people have not noticed or have overlooked. And so again, I would reiterate that contraception used the way it's supposed to be is still going to be available. So we have funding, we have, you know, various ways to to kind of deal with the the fallout and the impact, right, of this legislation. Mm-hmm. What additional laws, if any, do you see as necessary for this cause? We need to find a way to make it easier for people of average means to adopt a child. Because it's thousands of dollars to adopt a child. And most people that make a regular income just can't afford to adopt a child. That's ridiculous. It shouldn't cost twenty dollars or $30,000 to adopt a child. And so there's got to be a way the legislature can fix that problem so that we place kids in good homes, but we're not screening out just average citizens from being adoptive parents. That would be a big help right there. Exceptions have also caused some divisions within the movement, whether or not exceptions should be available and in which cases. Based on Arkansas's abortion trigger law, there are no exceptions for women, teens, or others who have been raped or have become pregnant from incest. I kind of wanted to pivot also towards the governor's comments about, you know, we see this as a victory, as a win. We've been fighting for this for so long, but I do wish those exceptions in our state trigger law weren't implemented. Is that an opinion that family council shares? Well, as far as the rape incest issue, um, we are comfortable with the law the way it is. And let me, let me tell you why. First of all, Any victim of rape deserves every bit of our help, our compassion, everything we can do for them. Rape is awful. Incest is terrible. Anybody who does these crimes ought to be sent to jail, punished to the fullest extent of the law, everything we can do. But here's the next thing we have to balance. If you really believe, as we do, that the unborn child is a living separate person, regardless of how our conception occurred, I don't think that should be a determiner about whether a person lives or dies. And yes, the woman has rights, but also the unborn child has rights as well. And I've often said, we should never punish a child for the sins or crimes of the father. Besides the morality of the now law in Arkansas, different groups have conceded, like Arkansas Right to Life, that the state should not criminalize those seeking an abortion. Some agree that's not the focus of the bills. Others, not so much. As I was looking for information about Arkansas Right to Life, one of the first blog posts and one of the first articles I see on the website is criminalizing women who have abortions is not pro-life. That's what the article is titled. You know, that's a pretty, I wouldn't say unique, but I I guess for myself, an unexpected stance when when I'm doing research on all of the pro-life movements in Arkansas, the big actors. Um... As you and I mentioned before, this movement is not monolithic. It's not one, one person stands for everybody. Uh, could you unpack that blog post for me? 
I'd be happy to. And, you know, there has never been a law in Arkansas and really nationally that I'm aware of where women have been punished criminally for an abortion. Um, certainly it's not a pro-loving response in in our opinion. And um, a woman is hurt by abortion. And to compound that by charging her with a crime or to put her in jail, that that is not what we're about. It never has been. You know, we've always, you know, been accused of not caring anything about the mother and only caring about the baby, and that, that is not true either. We've always cared about the mother, and we, we know that to save the child, we have to save the mother. And so we love women. We, we don't, do not want to put them in jail. But I, I wish I could say that all pro-lifers feel that same way, and sadly they don't. Sadly, some think that putting a woman in jail will, I don't know, help in some way. It, it won't. And even our uh, friends on the other side who support abortion say, you know, that we want to put women in jail. And, and Arkansas Right to Life, National Right to Life, all of our sister affiliates throughout the nation, and 20 other, and there's more than that. I mean, we didn't, couldn't get everybody's name on the letter that we sent out to all 50 states, letting the general assemblies of those states know that we will oppose any effort uh, that would criminalize women seeking an abortion. Just taking Arkansas Right to Life and Family Council as a case study, there are so many moving parts to this and every movement. I asked Rose Mims to break down some of the labels associated with her line of work to what she fervently sees as a work of passion. I think just that the pro-life movement does is a movement all about love and caring about women. We're not portrayed that way, but that is who we are. And those that do scream and shout and accuse women, I, you know, I really I regret that that happens because we are a movement of love, and I want every woman out there to know that it's, that we do love them and we will help them. We'll do everything we can to help them, uh, but we won't help them kill their baby. That doesn't solve any, anybody's problem. For Ozarks at Large, I'm Rachel Sanchez-Smith. This reporting follows yesterday's story about the legal future of contraceptives. For more, you can visit KUAF.com for the latest coverage on abortion and reproductive care in Arkansas. Arkansas continues to experience a decline in the number of active cases of COVID-19. The Department of Health reported about 1,000 new cases Wednesday of people testing positive for the virus. With recoveries continuing to outpace new infections, the number of active cases dropped by 83, with about 10,000 people in the state feeling the effect of the virus. Hospitalizations were up by three, with 335 people being treated statewide. 11 additional deaths were reported. Support for KUAF comes from Optimum Business. A lot goes into small businesses, and Optimum Business, with 24-7 customer support, provides reliable, secure internet with speeds up to one gig. Learn more at OptimumBusiness.com. Scott Family Amazium in Bentonville offers adventure and play every day. Families can explore more than 40 hands-on, interactive experiences designed to ignite curiosity and fuel creativity. The Amazium is open every day except Tuesdays. 
Details on hours, upcoming programs, and more available at amazium.org. This is Ozarks at Large. This month, Northwest Arkansas National Airport received a $500,000 grant from the U.S. Department of Transportation Small Community Air Service Development Program. Airport officials say the funds will go toward restoring nonstop service to San Francisco. Alex English, public affairs manager with XNA, says the route to San Francisco was halted in 2020 because of the pandemic. Pre-COVID saw about 80 passengers a day um, flying to San Francisco. And a lot of that was business travel. A lot of the Asian market is heavily you know, connected through San Francisco. That is not 100% open yet, um, but we see that in the future it will come back eventually. And just that connectivity to the West Coast is important. And having that option to um, get from SFO to LAX. Anecdotally, we have heard from many um, passengers how we they would just absolutely love to see this particular route come back. We have heard about several other you know routes that people would like to hear, but San Francisco seems to be the highest on the list. And so it's definitely a priority for us at XNA. English says the daily route to San Francisco International Airport could resume as early as spring 2023. The direct flight is set to be operated by Breeze Airways, according to a federal document. Previous service was provided by United Airlines. However, Alex English says the funding, which can be used as a revenue guarantee and for marketing, is a preliminary step in restoring the flights. So a lot of things have to line up, unfortunately. <laughs> I wish it was more of just kind of a, you know, oh, we have this grant now. We can add SFO back in with an airline. But it has to also make sense for the airline. Um, you know, we can't just have, they can't just add a nonstop route in a market. And if it's, you know, not going to, if the demand is not there, if it's not going to work for them financially, it's just, you know, there's a lot that goes into that decision. So um, having this money is is obviously very much helpful, but there's a lot of negotiation that will have to go on to make it work for both the airline um, and XNA as well. XNA was one of 25 airports awarded grant money, including Fort Smith Regional Airport, which received funding for $855,000 to begin nonstop service to Chicago O'Hare International Airport or another hub in the Northeast. Currently, Fort Smith only operates service to Dallas. Time now for today's Northwest Arkansas Business Journal report. I'm Paul Gatling. If you are an Arkansas homeowner, is your mortgage less than half of your home's value? Then you are equity rich. Nearly 35% of all homeowners in the state are, according to real estate data provider Adam Data Solutions. That is up from 22% a year ago. The report also shows that just 5.8% of mortgaged homes in Arkansas, or 1 in 17, were considered seriously underwater in the second quarter of 2022. And that is down from nearly 9% a year ago. Nationally, more than 48% of homeowners with a mortgage were equity rich in the second quarter of this year, owing the lender less than half of the price they could sell their home. And that is up from 35% a year ago. In Northwest Arkansas, about half of all mortgaged properties are considered equity rich. That's nearly double the percentage from a year ago. We've got more news after the break on today's Northwest Arkansas Business Journal Report. Support for the Northwest Arkansas Business Journal Report is provided by the Arkansas State Chamber of Commerce and Associated Industries of Arkansas. 
The Chamber's mission is to promote a pro-business, free enterprise agenda and prevent legislation, regulation, and rules that hinder business. ArkansasStateChamber.com Arkansas Blue Cross and Blue Shield For more than 70 years, Arkansas Blue Cross and Blue Shield has used its knowledge and compassion to create healthcare solutions for individuals and businesses. More information at ArkansasBlueCross.com First Security is proud to be only in Arkansas. They offer smart solutions for personal and business banking, plus convenient services and community investment. First Security, member FDIC, equal housing lender. When the next legislative session convenes in Little Rock in January next year, State Senator Bart Hester, a Republican from Cave Springs in Benton County, will be the leader of the State Senate, the President Pro Tem. In a recent interview with Roby Brock, Senator Hester offered his thoughts on the recently completed special session and income tax reduction, and why he was against adding the subject of Arkansas teacher pay to the special session. Senator Hester, uh, let us begin with the special session that just wrapped up, second largest tax cut in Arkansas history, uh, almost $400 million in tax cuts. Um, tell me why you think the time was now to have to move on that tax package. There are a lot of people that said it could have waited till the next session and been retroactive, but why do you think it had to happen now? Well, it needed to happen right now because uh, every Arkansans feel in the pain of inflation. And this took uh, every Arkansan that's working, every working Arkansan uh, got relief from this package. And that relief will start um, some very, very soon, uh, starting the 1st of October. And so it's important to take care of everyone. And the second thing, to get us down to 4.9% as a top rate is important to all businesses that are looking to Arkansas that are making decisions right now. We may not even know who some of them are, but to get that tax rate down so that uh, businesses know that uh, we're ready for them. And the corporate income tax rate will come down to it's a, a several point or several, not percentage points higher, but point percentage points point. higher. So right. um, anyhow, how crucial is that to recruiting new business? And um, I mean, because I feel like businesses find a way around that corporate income tax if they really want to. And it's not a huge component of the overall pie in the state. Well, it's not a huge component, but it is to some major corporations that are that are maybe looking at Arkansas or looking to expand into Arkansas. And uh, and even though we don't move it a lot, when they see that we're headed in the right direction, uh, the next soon-to-be governor, Sarah Huckabee Sanders, is saying she's going to continue moving, uh, in, you know, income tax rates down. It's encouraging to people to know if they come here, we're taking care of you. Uh, well, Sarah Huckabee Sanders still has to get by a Democratic opponent in Chris Jones and a Libertarian in Ricky Dale Harrington. I, I know where your enthusiasm is for that, though, so I completely understand. Um, so what do you think will happen going forward on income tax reduction? I know that uh, Sarah Huckabee Sanders has said that's something that she supports further reducing it in a responsible way. I think Chris Jones has said the same thing, too, as long as it's responsible. Um, what does responsible reduction of the income tax mean to you? Well, responsible means that uh, we're not we're not having to cut critical services to the state of Arkansas. You know, we're not having to cut highway funding for things that are important for all of us to get around and, and work on. Things that are really critical, our education system, our prison systems primarily, if we're not having to cut funding to those things that are absolutely critical and we're continuing to cut uh, income taxes, that's responsible. 
Uh, well, some would argue that teacher pay is critical and you guys didn't cut teacher pay, but you didn't raise teacher pay either. Tell me why you didn't agree with that decision to add teacher pay to this special session call. Well, because we believe it is important. It's, it's so important. We shouldn't do it in a very quick time frame. We've been working on um, a plan for a very long time. We were four years into a four-year plan of raising it $1,000 a year minimum. We know we've got to do a lot better than that. But coming into next session, we're going to be prepared with a huge surplus to uh, take care of teachers in a right way, but also look at our overall education system on what needs to be changed to move Arkansas up the ladder. Rather than being 40th out of 50, we've got to do better. So we're going to look at the entire education system in Arkansas, what we can do better for the kids and students of Arkansas. It's about numbers. I don't have to tell you that. You've been around long enough, Senator, to know that uh, well, your number one really thing to do in the state legislature is balance the budget. And that just comes down to crunching numbers, particularly in those three big areas that you mentioned earlier there. So let's, do you have something in mind that you think you can look at the numbers now, you can see where the numbers are going. I'm not going to nail you to a commitment on this, but do you think that you can do a, a $3,000 raise for that minimum teacher pay salary? Do you think $6,000 raise is possible. To, give me some parameters that you think you're looking at now that you do think if things stay where they are is doable. Well, I don't think there's a dollar amount in mind currently, but here's what I want to tell you. We want to pay good teachers doing a good job, a lot of money, and teachers that aren't doing a good job don't need to get to make the same amount of money that great teachers make. We want to encourage great teachers to come to Arkansas and work in Arkansas. So I think that's going to be the mindset of, of me as I, as I have an opportunity to lead the Senate. What's the litmus test for what's a good teacher and what's a bad teacher? How do you grade that? Well, I think we're working on all that, right? But uh, certainly results, right? Like anything in any business in the world, uh, results, basic things like can our students read? Are we get, doing a better job getting a more percentage of students reading? That's one thing that we can look at in Arkansas. And if we're not teaching kids to read, we're not teaching them much of anything. So uh, that's a very basic thing that we can start looking at across the state of Arkansas is do third graders read at a third grade level. Is that all a teacher's responsibility? I mean, there's a lot of factors <laughs> that go into getting you to uh, reading at the third grade level with your peers. Uh, there is, you know, our, our teachers are facing too much responsibilities. Number one, they have to parent uh, these kids because they're not getting parenting at home and we're putting too much burden on our teachers. They're spending too much time doing things other than reading, writing, and arithmetic. And I think that's something we're going to continue to look at in the legislature. Of uh, uh, We understand that society is putting too much of a burden on our, on our teachers because of failures at the home. And uh, so we're going to really work on what can we do to help and support our teachers in Arkansas. And that is Republican State Senator Bart Hester of Cave Springs speaking with Roby Brock on a recent episode of Talk Business and Politics. There is much more of their conversation, including Hester discussing his top priorities for the January regular session of the Arkansas General Assembly, where he will be the leader of the state Senate. You can watch that entire discussion over on our sister website at talkbusiness.net. Walmart had an earnings call this week for its second fiscal quarter, and the results were better than expected. The Bentonville retailer reported quarterly net income of $5.15 billion and profit of $1.88 per share. Both of those easily topped Wall Street's forecast. And a new platform launched Wednesday that will provide Arkansas Razorback athletes an additional opportunity to capitalize on their name, image, and likeness, or NIL. One Arkansas NIL is the name 
and it will select and assign Razorback athletes to work alongside nonprofit organizations in the state to advance their charitable missions through various activities. And the Northwest Arkansas Business Journal hosted nearly 400 people Tuesday for its annual 40 Under 40 luncheon at the Embassy Suites in Rogers. Intrust Bank was the event sponsor, which featured a keynote speech from Arkansas Blue Cross and Blue Shield executive Martine Pollard. You can find all of those stories and more at nwabusinessjournal.com, where you can follow our reporting each and every day. I'm Paul Gatling, and that's the Northwest Arkansas Business Journal Report. Until next time, thanks for listening. This is Ozarks at Large. It's Thursday. It's time for you to think about what you're going to do for your live music weekend. But you don't have to do it alone because Timothy Dennis is with us. Hello, Timothy. Hello, Kyle. Are we going to talk live music? We are. There is okay. a lot happening this weekend. Not Maybe not as much as last weekend. Definitely not as much as next weekend. But we have plenty of options to go through. I mean, it's the weekend before college classes start, right? Mm-hmm. So I would think there would be some options. Right, right. So let's start in Fayetteville tomorrow night. George's Majestic Lounge is going to have kind of a contemporary country show featuring the bands Ozark Riviera and Cooper Mormon. It's got as a space between me and you, baby. It's deep like love that I had just for you. And I'm running in circles, gonna make my... All right. Tickets are $10 today. They go up to $12 tomorrow. That gets underway at 9.30 tomorrow night, again at George's in Fayetteville. Also in downtown Fayetteville tomorrow night, the rock band Rack and Sack will be on stage at Kingfish. So outside? Outside. Free show. Gets underway at 9 o'clock. Again, that's at Kingfish in downtown Fayetteville. Happening up in Springdale, JJ's is going to have the odds on stage. Ah, one of my former neighbors is right. In the odds. Right, yes. you have connections to several members of that band <laughs> yes, as I we've do. discussed in yes. the past. That show gets underway at seven o'clock tomorrow night. Again, that's at JJ's in Springdale. Butterfield Stage in Rogers tomorrow night is going to have a show presented by Her Set Her Sound, featuring several DJs, including DJ Villain, DJ Dribbles, DJ Susie Q, and DJ So Called. And this is at the Rail Yard Stage, so... Yeah, it's at Butterfield Stage, Rail Yard Live. Oh, yeah, right, thanks. Uh, it's free. It starts at about 7.30 tomorrow night again. That's in downtown Rogers. Nice. Over in Siloam Springs, Creekside Tap Room is going to have Pat Ryan Key on their stage. We love Pat Ryan He's Key. He's been here several times. Yeah. Great local songwriter. That gets underway at 7 o'clock tomorrow night, again at Creekside Tap Room in Siloam. Over in Eureka Springs, Chelsea's is going to have the Pentagram String Band. So they're a Kansas City-based band that kind of mixes bluegrass and metal. It's pretty interesting stuff. That gets underway at 8 o'clock tomorrow night, again at Chelsea's in Eureka Springs. Jumping ahead to Saturday, 612 Coffee House is going to have Madison Gregory on stage. She is an indie pop artist from Southern Missouri. Uh, 
That show gets underway at 7 o'clock Saturday night again at 612 Coffee House in Fayetteville. Back at Kingfish Saturday night, they're going to have an ensemble by the name of House Salsa on stage. It's a group of local musicians, all of whom have actually been in our studio at one point or another, featuring Chris Wood, Nick Caffrey, Will King, and Lee Zodro. Oh, that'll be fun. They've been working on some classic covers. It should be interesting considering there are three bass players in the band. <laughs> it's all about the bass. It's all about that bass, about that bass. Uh, that gets underway at 9 o'clock Saturday night at Kingfish in Fayetteville. Still in Fayetteville Saturday night, Nomad's Trailside is going to have another hard rock Saturday night, featuring the bands Towel of Lucy and Rant. As a $5 cover, that gets underway at 8 o'clock Saturday night, again at Nomad's Trailside in Midtown Fayetteville. Moving up to Bentonville, Meteor Guitar Gallery is going to have an evening of blues featuring the Terry Quiet Band and Nathan Bryson Loaded Dice. Tickets for that are $12.50 in advance. They go up to $15 on Saturday. That'll get underway at 7 o'clock Saturday night, again, at Meteor Guitar Gallery in downtown Bentonville. Over in Rogers Saturday night, Butterfield Stage is going to have an evening of reggae with Rochelle Bradshaw and Hypnotion on stage. seen them since before the pandemic. Yeah, they've played a few shows I know since they have, then, but yeah. here and there. But it's time, and that's Saturday night? That's Saturday night. Okay. It gets underway at 8 o'clock again. That's at the Butterfield Stage Row Yard Live in downtown Rogers. Moving over to Eureka Springs, the Gravel Bar is going to have Grace Stormont on stage. She's a North Arkansas-based songwriter. And you'll never have an open mind You can't Gets underway at 7 o'clock Saturday evening again at the Gravel Bar in Eureka Springs. Okay, Sunday, Smoke and Barrel Tavern in Fayetteville. They're going to have a rock and roll show featuring the bands Dummy and Olympics. I know you do. They only come every two, four years. <laughs> that depends summer, summer, winter. No, I like the band. <laughs> They're great. They're great. Tickets for that show are $12 in advance via Eventbrite. They go up to $15 on Sunday. That gets underway at about 9 o'clock Sunday night, again at Smoke and Barrel in Fayetteville. 9 o'clock Sunday night. I know. Right. I know. It's as if it's intended for a younger audience. Who would have thought that? Rock know. and roll, loud I music, know. late night on a I Sunday? Know. Okay. Anyway, here's a little bit earlier show for you on Sunday, Kyle. Please. The Ashton Barbary Trio is going to be at Peddler's Pub in Bentonville okay. Sunday evening. Is it something in the water that makes you sound like this? 
gets underway at about 7 o'clock, so a little bit earlier than 9. That's before Bonanza starts. That's good. (laughs) Again, that's at the Peddler's Pub Sunday evening in Bentonville. Also, Sunday evening... Sunday early evening, really, over in Eureka Springs, Opal Agafia is going to be on stage at the Gravel Bar. All right. Now maybe you're no good for me. Sometimes I get drunk and show some sense. I tend to get mean. That gets underway at 6 o'clock Sunday evening again at the Gravel Bar in Eureka Springs. And then jumping ahead to next Thursday is the next edition of Live at Turnbow in Springdale. Downtown Springdale, yeah. This month they are featuring an evening mixing Latin music and reggae featuring the bands Duo de Venus and the Irie Lions. And that's free. It's free. Gets underway at 6.30 next Thursday at Turnbow Park in downtown Springdale. All right. That's, it's picking up, right? I mean, it not is. That it, but, I mean, with all the Sunday night stuff, we've got you covered. Yeah. Timothy Dennis, thank you very much. Thank you. The Anderson Brothers Jazz Trio, performing Saturday night at the Roots HQ on the Fayetteville Square, is not your usual jazz trio configuration. There is a guitar, and the Anderson Brothers play woodwinds. Will and Peter Anderson have headlined at Carnegie Hall, Jazz at Lincoln Center, the Kennedy Center, and the Blue Note. Robert Ginsburg, host of KUAF's Shades of Jazz, recently talked with the twin brothers about the upcoming concert and their earliest, and I mean earliest, jazz influence. When my brother and I were in the third grade, we were watching TV together, and um, there was this commercial that we our eyes were just glued to the screen um, for Chips Ahoy Cookies. And the, the background music was this drum beat that we just couldn't get out of our heads. It was Benny Goodman's Sing, Sing, Sing. From, from then on, we got really interested in swing music and Benny Goodman. And that's, that's kind of what sparked our interest in the clarinet. I mean, it, it was a, a pretty vivid memory, but you know, there were a lot of things that interested us in the music. Um, we're from the D.C. area, which has a lot of jazz. Um, um, in particular, there are several U.S. service bands that are down there. Um, they're really top-level big bands. And um, a couple of them are the Airmen of Note and the Army Blues. And we would go see these bands all the time. They gave free concerts. And one time we saw one of these big band concerts and we, we ran home and told our mom, we know what we want to do for the rest of our lives. Um, and so she, she she remembers that quite well. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It's something about the sound of the big band really drew us in. You know, the sounds of the saxophones and trumpets and trombones. Obviously, jazz is, has, has a special quality to it, the, the syncopation and the unpredictability. So uh, being in the D.C. area, we had really good teachers and we got to hear these big bands all the time. Music can be a very competitive profession. And I'm kind of curious, being twins, how did that impact your trajectory into the world of music? Not only having each other to bounce things off of, but just that sort of competitive component of one-upsmanship when it comes to playing. Sure. Well, 
you know, just like as we've been mentioning, uh, we grew up together very closely. Um, so, you know, we really we we started playing clarinet on the same day. Um, so we are kind of you know exploring these instruments and this music together. So, you know, there was without a doubt. You know, I'd be lying if if I said we weren't competitive. You know, our 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 bedrooms were right next to each other. So whenever we were practicing, we could hear the other one practicing. So, you know, any, any time one of us, you know, was investigating like a new player or a new solo or a new piece of music, the other one would, um, you know, catch it right away. So, you know, my brother would say, Hey, check out this guy, Dexter Gordon on the tenor. I love the way he sounds. You know, and then I'll say, oh, hey, check, check this guy out, Charlie Parker. And we we would share records and, you know, copy each other's, um, you know, practice routines and that kind of thing. So it definitely had a, a pretty strong competitive element to it. I know you both received scholarships to Juilliard and what a great opportunity that was. But I have the sense that moving to New York was also part of the scheme in your minds if you're going to pursue jazz, there's probably no better place in the world than New York as far as diving into the deep end. You know, I remember when my brother and I moved to New York, you know, we were obviously going to school, but I'd say we learned equally as much or more from just going and trying to get some professional experience, you know, just just going to different clubs, you know, Smalls and, and the Blue Note and Jazz at Lincoln Center and the Village Vanguard and, you know, going to hear Jimmy Heath and, and Lou Donaldson and George Coleman and, um, you know, just just trying to get, see what they're doing on stage and then, you know, trying to see if we could get up and play a tune with them and, yeah. you know, because just, just being, being a, a versatile professional uh, as, as a jazz musician takes a lot of unique skills um it's it's not it's not just about reading and playing your instrument well um it's all about like knowing the repertoire you know this vast repertoire of ellington tunes and the great american songbook and committing a lot of that to memory and and then being able to show up on different gigs with uh with new musicians and collaborate with them very quickly you know these are these are the type of skills that you don't really have to have in classical music you know where you have rehearsal and you're playing the notes on the page that have been there for 400 years. Jazz is a lot about, uh, you know, meeting people for the first time and being able to get along musically and blend with others. Very important. The trio you're bringing to Fayetteville on August 20th is the same group you played with six years ago. It's the two of you plus Adam Mozinia on guitar and it's an interesting configuration, that trio, because typically people think of a jazz trio with a rhythm section, either drums, bass, maybe piano, and a horn. But you guys have created a really unique sound. Can you tell me a little bit more about the group? Yeah, so so our, our group with, with Adam Mazzini on guitar, um, like you said, it, it is a unique instrumentation. But, you know, the three of us work really hard on our sound and... I mean, even though it is three musicians, we we like to try to make it sound even bigger than that. Adam does an incredible job of making the guitar sound like a full band. 
behind him. You know, he walks bass lines, he plays rhythm guitar. Uh, he's got all sorts of great technique where he can solo and comp for himself with chords. You know, my brother and I double on many woodwinds. So we're playing flute, clarinet, uh, alto and tenor saxes, and, and we write all of our own arrangements. All of our comp compositions and arrangements, they have form to them. They have intros and shout sections, and, and uh, that helps it kind of make it sound like more than just, you know, the three, three musicians. Fellas, what can the audience expect to hear uh, this Saturday? You know, we, we generally kind of explore the songs of the Great American Songbook. You know, we find that the the melodies are just so strong and the harmonies are, are so interesting that it, it just allows us for a lot of freedom. And even though we do have, you know, arrangements per se, um, every time that we play, something different happens and we might go off on a tangent and start improvising somewhere. Um, so we're going to... I think we're going to probably do um, several songs by Irving Berlin. You know, his music is just um, so great, simple, but also complex and, and allows for a lot of improvisation. Um, and we'll also probably throw an original song in there or two, which we like to do. So watch out for that. I'm very grateful to you both for taking the time and uh, look forward to seeing you soon. Thanks, Robert. Looking Bye. forward to it. Thank you. Will and Peter Anderson will be at the Roots HQ Saturday night when the Anderson Brothers Trio performs for the next concert in the Northwest Arkansas Jazz Summer Jazz Concert Series. For concert details, digjazz.com. They talked with Robert Ginsburg, host of KUAF's Shades of Jazz, heard Friday nights at 10 on KUAF 91.3 and Saturdays from 11 a.m. until 1 p.m. on KUAF 3. You can hear KUAF 3 on your HD radio at KUAF.com or by asking your smart speaker to please play KUAF3. Uribe, Associate Professor at the University of Arkansas Music Department, expanding our musical boundaries with Sound Perimeter. This summer, I visited the city of Boise, Idaho, and was surprised to learn that Boise is home to the largest concentration of Basque people outside of Spain. Their journey to Boise began in the late 1800s, when they found mining and ranching lucrative opportunities in the western United States. 
Basque people were attacked during the Spanish Civil War under the Franco regime, and Idaho then became a refuge and a safe place to exist, to be, and to thrive. While in Boise, I visited the Basque Block, an area devoted to Basque culture, celebration, and remembrance. While there, I listened to some amazing music, all new, while enjoying the best paella, tapas, and calimocho, a Basque drink concoction that mixes in equal parts red wine and Coca-Cola. Of course, to honor this enlightening and very fun trip, we open some perimeter today with Zigoiner Weizen Opus 20, or Gypsy Airs, by composer Pablo de Sarasate. Sarasate, a Spaniard from the Basque region, violin virtuoso, composer, and conductor, wrote this piece in 1878, inspired by the sounds of the gypsy people and gypsy sounds of the Eastern European traditions. South Korean violinist So Hyun Ko, joined by pianist Alison Freeman at her Heifetz Institute debut performing Pablo de Sarasate's Sigoiner Weizen, Opus 20, or Gypsy Ears. While visiting the Basque block in Boise, Idaho, I got to experience authentic flavors and sounds of this vibrant community and came back eager to learn more about their music. 
We are closing Sound Perimeter today with Basachorichu from Three Basque Fall Songs, traditional songs arranged by Francisco Javier Jauregui for voice, violin, and guitar, performed by the Aglaya Trio, Gudrun Olafstotir, mezzo-soprano, Elena Jauregui, violin, and Francisco Javier Jauregui, guitar. sent us a postcard from Boise, Idaho, and their intentional efforts to preserve the traditions of their large Basque population. This is Leah Uribe, Associate Professor at the University of Arkansas Music Department, expanding our musical boundaries with Sound Perimeter. Sound Perimeter is a segment dedicated to diverse voices in and around music. I hope it will expand your knowledge and connection to inclusive sounds and let music infiltrate your lives and transform your realities. See you soon. Tomorrow on Ozarks, veterans from across the South, along with the Fayetteville VA staff, spent a week together training to be drum circle facilitators. That's on tomorrow's Ozarks at Large at noon and 7 p.m. on 91.3 KUAF. We also have a free Ozarks at Large podcast that lets you take the show with you wherever you go. Subscriptions and downloads for free at your preferred podcast locations and at KUAF.com. Ozarks at Large is underwritten, in part, by the Walton Family Charitable Support Foundation. The Arkansas Times and the Arkansas Cannabis Industry Association present the Medical Marijuana Health Expo Saturday, August 27th from 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. at the Northwest Arkansas Convention Center in Springdale. Medical professionals, pharmacists, and local bud tenders will lead seminars on treating a variety of symptoms with medical marijuana. Details and tickets at centralarkansatickets.com. Quick reminder... The next lunch hour, that's KUAF's live, intimate 
music session that takes place in our lobby. The next one is tomorrow. Doors will open at noon. We'll have music beginning at about 1220. Eddie Canyon is our artist. The show's free. The food's free. It's from Eat My Catfish. So we'll see you tomorrow. You can get here about 12. Music starts about 1220. Then the 50th annual Washington County Historical Ice Cream Social is Saturday. That's not here. That's at the Headquarters House Museum in Fayetteville. Live music from Bill Dollar and Loose Change. Plus ice cream. That begins Saturday at 3. Tickets and more information at washcohistoricalsociety.org. The Bella Vista Library is offering an open call to artists of every age to help design a new library card. Staffers are looking for a design that is colorful and represents the community. Thinking about a theme? It could be Bella Vista. It could be the library. Or literacy, or nature, or biking, unity, diversity. All artwork that's submitted does have to be original never published anywhere else, and free of copyright restrictions. Submissions can be in any medium, including crayon. I told you it's an all-ages thing. Uh, entry packets can be picked up in person at the Bella Vista Library. But hello, you got to hurry. Submission deadline is Saturday. This is 91.3 KUAF. Fayetteville, Fort Smith, Bentonville, and Berryville. KUAF is a listener-supported service of the School of Journalism and Strategic Media at the University of Arkansas. Contributors this Thursday included Rachel Sanchez-Smith, Timothy Dennis, Leah Uribe, Robert Ginsburg, and Paul Gatling. Timothy produced today's show inside the Harold and Blanchcock News Studio. He also produced this week's brand new Sound Perimeter. Daniel Carruth, by the way, delivered information about XNA adding a direct flight to San Francisco. You can hear Daniel deliver the news every weekday morning at 5.30 and 7.30 during Morning Edition. He does that from the Karen Taha News Studio. Additional material today provided by our friends at the Inside the newsroom at KUAR. They are public radio for Little Rock and Central Arkansas. You don't do a show like this just by yourself. Thank you for being here and continuing to uh, join us noon and seven weekdays. You can always use the Ozarks at Large podcast. From the Carver Center for Public Radio, I'm Kyle Kellams.